Hello, and welcome to another episode of the podcast at Delphi.org. I'm your host, Jim McKeith. Joining me today is my co-host, Nick Hodges. Hello, everybody. Hey, Nick. And we have a special guest today, Martin, and I should have asked how to pronounce your last name, but I'll let it's, you do that. It's Serank. It's okay. Uh, hi, everyone. Hello, Serank. Is that right? That's great. That's great. Well done. Okay. So Martin is the developer behind, we've talked about before, the great new lights at Niagara Falls. Is that That's accurate, right? Yes. So uh, the developer of the software that's, that's controlling the, the lights on the falls at the moment. Yeah. So that's pretty exciting. Um, hmm. So now you're not in Niagara, New York. You're in uh, uh, New Zealand. New Zealand. That's right. Yep. So my company is based in New Zealand, and uh, I, as I as I was explaining, I probably need to give a little bit of an overview of the the structure of it. So um, the the project itself involved a number of companies that installed the lights and and the control and all of that for the falls. Um, my company uh, called Dream Solutions. We we write the control software and we. Um, we are under contract to supply that software to Philips Entertainment and then essentially a distributor of Philips Entertainment is who took the soft or took the control solution called Neo and put that on the falls. Uh, we did do a little bit of customization for the falls project, but for the most part it's a relatively off-the-shelf solution that they purchased from Philips Entertainment for the project. So now I would have thought it would be an entirely um, custom built. So that's it. That's even more amazing that it's pretty much itself for some sort of a system like that. Yeah, well, it's pretty much using very similar technology to entertainment lighting, which is really our, our core focus. Um, so our product is is primarily for the entertainment industry, shows, concerts, theater, anything like that there. But since the invention really of LED lighting, there's been a real merging of architectural and entertainment lighting called Architainment. And that, that merging has meant that control systems that used to really just do um, entertainment side now do a lot, are required to do a lot more of the architectural stuff because of people want so much more from it. So if uh, some sports team wants the downtown uh, building to be lit up, you're the man? <laughs> well, our product certainly is. And uh, yeah, a, good <laughs> a, a good example of that was there's a big uh, stadium down in uh, Florida. I'm trying to remember which one it is that they just upgraded all of the uh, court lighting to LED. So it's all this white light that they can... Uh, for lighting the court, but they also put in a lot of RGB lighting as well uh, to supplement it, so that when someone hits a uh, scores a scores a goal or does whatever, they can run some sequence of color effects along with the music that goes with it. So, now, cool. I, I just realized you might want to touch on exactly what the lights at Niagara Falls do for those that aren't familiar with that. Sure. Um, so the 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 project itself was replacing a uh, an existing lighting installation that went back to I think just post World War Two. Um, some old xenon uh, lights that lit up the falls, and it's now totally lit by LED. Um, little we sort of I don't know maybe 
I think they're about four inches square blocks that uh, have a two degree beam on them and they light the falls that way. It's about a 2,000 foot throw distance on the, that they're lighting it from one side of the falls over to the other. Um, and every single uh, light, for, to, to simplify it, every single light is focused on a particular part of the falls. So we have an array of lights that we can control and change the color. So we could make the whole falls blue or red or whatever color we want, but we can also do wipes so we can make it go you know, red wiping across into white or into blue. Um, everything they wanted for the Falls project, they wanted it to be fairly organic. Uh, one of the things they wanted was an Aurora Borealis effect to be able to run on the Falls. Um, we actually, as part of the sort of customization for the job, we created a new effects engine uh, for the software to make building the kinds of effects that they wanted a lot easier. But essentially what we have is a matrix of, of lights and we apply effects to that as they as they want it. Okay, I'm gonna go to I'm not that far from Niagara Falls and I'm going to get a weekend trip there just to see these lights. I'm pretty <laughs> yeah. excited. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. Not only I mean the project itself is amazing, but then you know, from our point of view, the fact that all the software is written in Delphi is just even more exciting. And you want to talk a little bit about the, the software architecture, what technology used and stuff like that? Absolutely. Um, so I've been using Delphi since Delphi 2. I was trying to work out last night how far, how long ago that was. I want to say 20 years, but I think it's a bit more. Um, so I've been a Delphi developer for a long time. And um, the software itself uh, is about 12 years. I started developing it, um, the actual lighting control system. And so it's primarily is uh, VCL Delphi. I would love to convert the whole thing to FireMonkey and certainly have plans to do that. Um, but right now, as most developers know, we have to, <laughs> you know, there's still a job to do that. Um, but there's also, so the main control solution is, is a, a VCL Delphi app uh, and that runs on custom hardware that um, Philips build. So there's two types of uh, hardware that we do. One is a control surface, which is buttons, sliders, things like that. And that was used during the setup of the uh, the looks and the sequences that they wanted on the falls. And then when they finished that, they sort of took the what we call the console away and left a rack unit, which is a, a, a 3U high rack playback unit. And that's still running the same software, but it just doesn't have the same control surface um, user interface because it's not needed. Now the, the FireMonkey side of the project was something we uh, released uh, about the middle of last year for the product and that's what we call the mobile interface builder and in some respects it sort of takes its cues from Delphi itself. What it allows, it allows an end user of a product um, to uh, put buttons, sliders, things like that on a, on a form, connect that to something within the show. So for example, when the user presses this button, run this cue or run this effect. And the, so the mobile interface builder creates uh, our own custom interface files that the lighting controller serves up. And then they, uh, and then for the Niagara project, what they do is they run that mobile interface on uh, large touch screen, so in their case it's running under, on a Windows machine, um, but it could run on an iPad or an Android tablet or whatever. 
Um, and those interfaces allow the end users to actually change the looks of the show, or the looks of the falls. They even allow certain tour groups to come through and have their own sort of play and press a button and change the falls to red or to yellow or whatever um, they oh. want. So the, so the FireMonkey is the sort of the end user interface uh, that we provide for the falls operators and then the back end is traditional VCL. Very cool. I want now. Now I want to go to the falls and press the button. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think you have to go on one of the tours to do that. Ah, so, well, we'll see. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, Fire Monkey's been been amazing for that uh, side of things. Um, Very good. Glad to hear it. Yeah, it's been it's been really exciting, and I I like I like what I I like using Fire Monkey. As I said, I wish I could convert the. I wish I had time right now to convert the entire app that way, but uh, that will come in time. Yeah. Time is of very hot commodity, believe me. <laughs> yes, yes. And so, uh, uh, I, oh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, no, no, I was just going to make a, a, a comment about how uh, any application that's 12 years old, as most developers out there will know, you, you go back and you look at some of the old code and you just shake your head and you go, Man, I really don't know much then. <laughs> indeed, indeed, yeah. yeah. So is there, can you think of some specific reasons why Delphi was well-suited to this besides it was the programming language you're familiar with? Is there pros that definitely you notice over using this for other versus other technologies? Well, for me, in the case of lighting control, um, I needed something that was 100% real-time. Um, I you know, you're talking about something where it, it's like video. It's updating um, every, you know, 40 times a second. It needs to update. You can't have lights fading and then stalling and then continuing their fade. You know, that sort of stuff is just completely unacceptable in a show environment. Um, so whatever language or platform that I chose, you know, it had to be real time. And Delphi, you know, the, the thing I always love about Delphi is the fact that it's a compiled binary. It's building a, an actual executable. It's, there's no runtime system going on there and that's just critical because I can't afford to have something else come along and say, oh, I'm just going to interrupt this process for 100 milliseconds because that would be noticeable in a show. Um, so that's the first reason why Delphi is, is my first choice as far as that's concerned. You know, really the only alternative is C++. Um, and the work. No, C++ <laughs> is great. I yeah, love C++. Is. Just kidding. And there's actually, I know, there is actually part of, um, to be honest, there is uh, small parts of the software that are C++, um, and that's typically stuff that's very protocol heavy, um, uh, where essentially I'm sort of taking existing protocols and sort of wrapping them into the software. So that's just a little easier, I think, in, in that C++ world. That's why we have C++ Builder, isn't it? <laughs> C++ Builder is a great product, and I love it. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> the DMX product, yeah, so is that right? The D y yes, but uh, these days, of course, we deal with DMX over Ethernet. So, yes, DMX is the industry protocol that we use. It's it's fairly archaic, to be quite honest with you. Um, it's based on an RS-485 protocol, um, but in more recent times, as the number of lights and fixtures have grown, we've moved to DMX over Ethernet, uh, which is still a case of wrapping a 512-byte uh, message 
into an Ethernet packet, um, but there's all sorts of other complications because it's a because you're constantly dumping data on the network. Uh, there are there are lots of little things that we have to work around. So there are various protocols to do that. Um, but um, so that real time thing, that the, the real time nature of Delphi was really important. I got very excited with the uh, the parallel programming additions that they've added to Delphi. That's just been fantastic, and I think that's really the way forward. Um, that sort of technology. In fact, a lot of the program additions, uh, the language additions, have been probably the the biggest advances that I've seen in the language over the last sort of five years. Uh, anonymous functions, I just love those. I'm just I just do those They're everywhere now. <laughs> very cool, very uh, powerful, yeah. They are, and once uh, they, this, just one day they clicked, and as soon as they clicked, it was like, oh, I, I just got to use these everywhere, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and and the parallel libraries, the way processes are going, I've been saying for a while now that if you're writing an application and you want speed, if you're not writing it for parallel, then you know, you're just not really going to get the gains out of modern processes that 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 you would if you do do write parallel code. So I've been trying to move more and more of my product that way. Um, there, there's code, for example, in in the software whereby once you go above a certain number of lights, essentially, it starts splitting that out across multiple cores. Uh, the processing of that uh, to load balance uh, the system. And, and these these tools that have been added to, to Delphi, that just makes it all so much easier. Yeah. So let's, uh, let me ask you a little few questions about yourself. What's your uh, programming origin story? How did you uh, get going on software <laughs> development? Um, I have actually an electronics engineering background is my, um, the degree that I did. Uh, but I sort of came out of, I uh, came out of university or, or college, I guess as you'd call it, and, and ended up just in, in software. First off, writing point of sale system uh, was the first software I think I wrote. Um, I always say I, I think I, I was employed for six months of my life, and it was about six months into my career, I went out on my own, and now I'm completely unemployable. So. Uh, <laughs> So, um, so yeah, so this gig's got to last. Uh, the um, from there, I got into telecommunication and uh, went through the whole dot com thing uh, with with a telecommunications company monitoring phone and internet systems back then. And I kind of got out of that and decided, you know, well, what do I want to do next? And the lighting industry is a is an industry where people are really passionate about it. Pretty much everyone in the industry is really passionate about it because it's it's that weird mix of uh, geek and art, you know, where mm -hmm. everyone pe people who are in the the industry that I'm in, where they, where they're doing lighting, it's a real art form to create lighting effects. And if you go to any concert or show and things like that, and really look at the lighting, you know, there, there's an art form to it. Um, but it's also very technical because there's quite a lot and goes on to actually putting on a show. And so you get that sort of unique mix of, of people who are sort of real technophiles but also have a bit of that sort of artistic side to them. And like like everyone else in the industry, I was pretty passionate about that. And so I decided to really start 
Well, actually, I wanted to be a lighting designer originally and realised there wasn't a lot of money in New Zealand in being a lighting designer, so I went the other path and fell back on my uh, programming prowess and and uh, developed my own control solution from there. So you ended up being a lighting designer after all? Well, just to some regards, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 do, I do still design the odd show, but uh, you my, enabled my, day, my day job is... My day job is is writing the control solutions. So, I mean, the thing with the thing with lighting and in particular entertainment lighting is that it's, as I said, it's that artistic side of uh, putting lights in the right place and knowing at the right time in a song when to change them and what to do. And then on the technical side, what you've got is a, a situation where it's data wrangling because. Each light these days might have 30 odd parameters, you know, pan, wow. tilt, color, uh, what we call gobo, which is the pattern that you see, zoom, iris, all of these. So each light might could potentially have 30 or more parameters to them, and it's not uncommon to do a show with 100 lights. So now you're wrangling, you know, 30 odd thousand parameters that, um, <laughs> you know. Uh, that you've got to, um, sorry, not 30, sorry, 3,000 parameters that you've got to wrangle and say, right, at this point I want them to do this and now at this point I want them to do this and that's really the process of, of lighting control. It's about providing the tools uh, for the, well, we actually call them the lighting programmer and this was something I was going to say at the start because I was worried I was just going to start throwing this terminology out there and people would be like, no, I don't follow them. So in the, in the industry, we have what we call lighting programmer and a lighting programmer is a person who comes into a show and sits down in front of the console or the computer and tells the computer what they want the lights to do using, using whatever control solution they've got in front of them. And so, well, I'm the programmer who programs the software for lighting programmers then to to actually okay. use to, to, to run their show. So you're basically you're making a Delphi for lighting programmers. Well, to, to some regards, yes, yes. So, you know, so rather than them having to go, oh, well, I want this light to be red, so that is parameter five, and I need to make that. Uh, so parameter five. I want to make that uh, DMX 220, you know, it's a byte. Uh, you know, the programmer doesn't want to have to worry about that, so we provide the tools that say, okay, just make that go red, and the software figures out how to map that to the light. And once they've set up a look, they then record that into a queue, or we have what we call effects engines, which are, okay, make these lights do a circle, for example, if they've got pan and tilt, that, that sort of thing. So. It's data wrangling. It's it's a case of providing the tools so that they can manage an awful lot of parameters. So what uh, the LED light must have revolutionized this entire industry then? Oh, totally. And you know, I I remember I'm trying to remember how long ago. Probably going back six or seven years, I think yeah, there was a definite shift in trade shows where. All of a sudden, you started to see these LED fixtures, these these LED lights come on uh, on the scene. And one of the comments I make about the Niagara project is that if they can light Niagara Falls with LED, then pretty much there's nothing they can't light. I've decided. They can light anything. They can they can light anything. I, I remember the first time I heard about LEDs being used for stadium lighting and thinking, 
that's just phenomenal. I can't believe LEDs are bright enough now to do that. And as you say, it has. It's completely changed this industry. So, but LEDs aren't without their issues as far as our industry is concerned. You know, LEDs are a very um, narrow wavelength. So the entertainment industry in particular has had to do an awful lot of things to try and uh, accommodate the limitations of LEDs more in their color spectrum rather than their output. So output doesn't seem to be a problem anymore, but we do still have um, issues of color spectrum. So for example, some, some of the more advanced lights out there will actually have seven different colors of LED um, that you've got to mix. You're not only mixing red, green, blue, but you're mixing amber, white, cyan, you know, so all of these other LED okay. colors. And from a control perspective, that's created a, a bit of a nightmare because now a user still wants to be able to go to a color swatch and go, I want that shade of pink. And we are now required or, or to, to figure out how to map that out of seven different colors um, for some, in the case of some fixtures. So the color spaces are not, uh, not simple. Well, LEDs has come, have come a long way in this space just really recently. For On the weekend, I do improv comedy. And when we opened our original space like four years ago, we hired a company to come in and do the LED lighting for us. And it was really bad. It was not very bright. The color was not very appealing. It made everybody look sickly. And so we had we, we told them we didn't want it. They took it out, and we ended up using halogen lights, which were incredibly hot. But then we opened a new space a year ago and went with LED, tried LED lighting again. And wow, they are amazing. I mean, this, this is not anything fancy. They're just on or off. But we have a beautiful color temperature, very bright, no t heat at all, and it's just it's a huge, huge, huge improvement. So I'm not sure if the people we hired originally did a terrible job or if it's just that the LED lighting has just come that far in such a short period of time. Oh, it really has. Like within the space of a few years, it's, it's remarkable, the difference. Uh, certainly three years ago, I would never have suggested anyone use LED to front light a person unless you want them to look completely horrible. Yeah. <laughs> um, now that's simply not the case. Now there are LED fixtures out there where you can front light a person and they'll, it will look like a tungsten source or it will look very close to, to a tungsten source, which is what we're used to, which is what we've, we've sort of all know is what indoor lighting should look like to a, to a degree. So. Yeah, my house is full of compact fluorescent light bulbs. And uh, I'm slow, slow, waiting for the LED household bulb prices to come down so I can replace all of them. And then, of course, I'll have to gently and carefully take them all into the store for recycling. Oh, yes. Yes. I've replaced all the lighting in our house with LED. It's, uh, oh, yeah, it makes a huge difference. So, come on. Tell the truth. You sit, in your, you sit there in your living room and you know, do a light show to the music, don't you? <laughs> uh, I, I will often... I'm terrible if I go to a concert or a show. My wife will nudge me when I'm sitting in a show and say, lean over to me and say, stop looking at the lights. <laughs> and, <laughs> and and I, I, I actually I did definitely used to watch concerts or I would have concerts going in my office and I would watch them and I would think, okay, how did they do that effect? You know, how hard would that be to do in my software? Um, and if it's you know if that would be really hard to do, then I need to try and come up with a way 
but doing that effect would be easier and faster because mm -hmm. that's what it's all about. You know, you have limited time in a theatre or in a concert or whatever to actually program something up, so it's all about speed. And that's that's what my end users are looking for. They're looking for a solution that gives them the fastest way they can get the, the, the most out of the, the lights that they've hired or have purchased. To put up. So. so, yeah, are your customers mainly uh, IS uh, the, the the light programmers, or are, do you sell to the theaters and the venues, who then in turn hire the light programmers to use it? It, it varies greatly. Um, I sell a lot to uh, houses of worship, churches, things like that. There, where uh, there's that that's a big market uh, for my product. Um, some venues will put it where they'll put the software in and then they'll have house technicians or house programmers that will, that will just use it. And right. sometimes it's people who just want to have their own lighting controller in their back pocket and so they'll buy it personally that, so that they can carry it around with them uh, so that they've always got something that they're familiar with uh, the, you know, whenever they go and do a show regardless of what venue they walk into. Because there are a number of different controllers out there and one of the things that impacts speed of being able to do a show is being familiar with with the console or, or the lighting controller you have. For my birthday back in October, my wife took me to the Lindsey Sterling concert, which was in a the back end of a local baseball stadium. So it was all this was an outdoor theater, outdoor uh, uh, stage, all set up just for this concert, and the lighting on it was just amazing. I was. I enjoyed the music and the performance quite a bit, but I was definitely distracted by the lighting effects and all the things they were doing because I, I don't go to a lot of concerts, and but this was just orders of magnitude more amazing than anything I had ever seen in the past. It was just, I was blown away. Yeah. I think lighting can really immerse you in a concert uh, in particular. Um, you know, light coming out from the stage. It's one of the things, I'm a little biased because I'm a lighting geek, um, but one of the things I'm not a big fan of is a lot of these shows that rely heavily on video and big video walls behind artists and the likes of that. And while that has its place and, you know, you certainly want video screens so you can see the artist if you're way at the, you know, in the nosebleed section or whatever, uh, I think you can't substitute a good light show for uh, just video panels behind the artist. Uh, it just doesn't do the same that same thing. And what it is is that with lights and with a bit of haze, you can get the lights coming out into the audience and really immerse them into it. It's it's a it's a true 3D experience, really. Yeah, one thing, this one combined video with lights, and one thing that really struck me is it wasn't a single screen behind it, but it was mm. they had different surfaces, and so she would dance around on different different platforms, and but the screen was on all these different surfaces, and the lights would also come from these surfaces and you could see through them, but there also was the video and the light all combined in all of this. And it was just, I, I, I was, you know, looking around, it's like, it's not projection from behind us. So it's gotta be, it, it, I don't know. I was just spent a lot of time <laughs> looking at the way the lights worked and where they were coming from and the, the video was coming from and stuff like that because uh, it was this. Yeah. Did you hang around after the show and ask what software they used? I did not. I should have. Ugh. <laughs> uh, well, of course, that's the other thing that's sort of merged into the lighting industry is is video, and uh, there's a there were, again almost around the similar time to LEDs developing, we saw an explosion of what we call media servers, which are like a lighting console but 
for video playback and being able to do effects and things like that with video for, for these shows. And there's actually a product, I think it's called Resolume, that if it's not now, it certainly used to be uh, Delphi based. I'm pretty sure it probably, I don't see why it wouldn't be anymore. And um, the, the, I sort of stumbled upon them. I never connected two dots. I ended up using a MIDI component that they wrote, a MIDI control component that they wrote years and years ago. And then eventually one day I sort of connected the dots. It was like, hey, you're that video company that I've seen at trade shows. <laughs> and uh, so uh, that whole media media server um, side of lighting is, is a whole other control um, uh, area of control. In fact, we actually do a little bit of video work in, in our product. Um, uh, and I have to give a shout out to Mitoff for that. I use a lot of his components for the video side of my product. Boyan makes the coolest stuff. <laughs> uh, it, it's uh, uh, he puts me to shame as to how much time he must spend developing. Because <laughs> I don't know how he turns out so much. I'm not sure he sleeps. I don't. He no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I actually I use his components for um, the mapping to uh, say a matrix. So I will be, uh, my software can take either a live video in or play a video and map that to an array of, of fixtures, of lighting fixtures. So we use his components for that side of things. Um, I use his components for audio triggers, so the ability, so he, he does a really good FFT component so that I can actually pull out certain you know, frequencies of music and say, okay, trigger something on this beat of a kick drum or whatever. So. Those, those are the areas I've used his components for. But they're great. They are good. Yeah. So, um, yes, I'd like to see I'd like to see some of his uh, some of his work uh, merge into the uh, the video components in FireMonkey. So that that would be nice. Never <laughs> <laughs> know. We'll see. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's always that's always the interesting thing, and, and Nick, this is Nick's domain as the product manager, director of product management. But it's it's always the interesting balance between um, making, you know, supporting third-party developers to the component vendors to make these amazing components and then what gets incorporated into the product. Because it's, I, I've heard the analogy before that you got to be really careful in that as a third-party developer because you never know what's going to get incorporated in. But I think something that's always been really well done with Delphi is make, managing that line really well so that it doesn't ever steamroll over the third-party vendors, you know, but at the same time, make it really supportive for them to make some amazing things out there. Yeah, no, ab absolutely. And the uh, I think probably the the best sort of solution is is the new um, oh the name's just escaped me. The oh, new tool for getting components, yeah, the package manager. That's fantastic. I'd love to see more and more of that supported because I think. I don't think I'd be too incorrect to say that if there was a, a a biggest criticism of Delphi, it would be the whole when I'm moving to a new version or anything like that. It's like, okay, what components not going to compile? What's not going to, you know, yeah, what's what components what components is going to stall me basically moving to? That's actually been very good lately. The last oh gosh, I would say at least three versions of Delphi. That's been pretty painless, I've found, which is, you know, hats off to you guys for doing Glad it. Glad to hear it. 
Yeah. Um, but it, but it is a, a, always a concern. There's always that, you know, I can't move to the new version until this this component developer has you know come out with a new set. And the, and the package manager certainly will. If more if we can get more and more of these component companies um, using that, then that would be that would be huge. That, that would make that a big is the difference. Plan. That is the plan. Yeah, I was just in a meeting last week where we were talking about how to uh, get more people in there, and that's definitely something we're going to do. So it's coming. Yeah, that'd be. Yeah, that that's all. That'd be awesome. But as I said, you know, the last three versions haven't been haven't been very painful. I don't think there's been a little delay while waited for component manufacturers to do things, but but for the most part, it it hasn't been a big issue. Yeah, that is that it used to be. <laughs> we have amazing third-party component partners, technology partners. Yeah, yeah. I, I rely fairly heavily on the TMS ones. That's the other set that uh, I think if anyone looks at my product, they'll they'll immediately recognise uh, TMS components in there. So those those are a good one, and the LMD as well. I was just emailing with Bruno this morning about some of his <laughs> stuff and about trying to do a webinar with him because I think he does some great stuff. LMD, yeah. I haven't they have, been in a while, but they do great stuff there as well. They have amazing support. I have to say, again, just doing a bit of a shout out there, the TMS guys, their their response to questions is just immediate. It's amazing. So, That's good. Good to know. Hmm. So, Alrighty. Well, fan- so is there anything else you want to know about the Niagara project? <laughs> we kind of got a little little off that that topic, but. Uh, no, so it, I, I like so now you sell to Philips and they're like an ISV. They integrate your software with their hardware, but then you also sell directly to people your software directly as well. It sounds like that's right. So my software, when I sell it direct, is under the name Light Factory, and for probably the first sort of seven uh, seven or eight years of selling the product, it was a software only solution, and the idea was that when I started writing Light Factory, it was in a time where lighting control was all done on custom surfaces, you know, big boards with sliders and buttons and things like that, and in most cases embedded software. Um, the use of a PC or something to actually run the software was, was pretty rare back then. And what I came in offering, and I wasn't the only one, I wasn't completely unique in this, but what I came in offering is a much lower cost of entry to someone. You know, I talked before about someone having a lighting controller in their back pocket. You know, mm-hmm. a, a lighting board back then, a good one could could cost you 30 grand for anything sort of decent. And so I was able to offer, well, here's 80% of the functionality. Sure, you don't have all the buttons and sliders and physical handles, but here's 80% of the functionality for a fraction of that price because all I was selling was software. And, and that's really been the primary business model for a long time. And then as the software evolved and got better and better, um, it, I guess, piqued the interest of Philips, who were uh, and at the time looking to develop a new console. And they were like, okay, well, we could start from scratch ourselves and build something ground up, or we could take this existing software, which already has, uh, you know, uh, is already at a mature state, and put that inside a console. And so it's kind of gone full circle for me. I started off writing a software-only solution to give people a lower cost entry to the big console. Now the software is actually part of a a console itself. 
So Philips manufacture of the console, the hardware itself is is built in Dallas, and uh, we just simply license them the software to go inside it. That's kind of kind of the evolution. I've seen lots of things is that you'll see these uh, hardware, very hardware intensive solutions that have been around forever, like video processing, for example. It used to be if you wanted to do any kind of video effects, you had to have these big pieces of hardware to do that, and then. Now, you know, like Boyan's great video processing software does all the stuff you used to have these huge banks of hardware to do in, uh, you know, in a video, in a TV studio. And now, you know, you can make those things like you are and embedding those in hardware and, but you're much more powerful in the, in the solution because it is leveraging, uh, you know, the evolution of software so much. Absolutely. And that's something that I've really noticed in the last, even the last, very short while is just how cheap hardware is becoming. You know, I've been playing around a lot with the Atom processors, and you know, the great thing about them is your Windows license is five bucks. So, you know, you can you can for a hundred dollars you can get a pretty powerful little board that'll do an awful lot. <laughs> yep. So the cost cost of hardware is just plummeting. So have you seen that picture of uh, all the things that the uh that your phone replaces, you know, the answering machine and the calculator and all that stuff. So we can add a, a light board to the to the picture there. Is that, right? Is that what you're saying? Well, yeah. I mean, certainly there are mobile lighting controllers. I think there's still a a limitation on surface. And as I said, lighting controllers is all about speed, which is why at the end of the day, the really big shows they want a full-on console because they want they want sliders, they want handles, they want things they can grab and push and, and do things with. Um, but that's not to say we can't continue to come up with more and more clever clever systems uh, on, on mobile devices, for sure. So what sort of things are you looking to do see in the future, whether it be technology that you're looking to take advantage of or features you're looking to add into your software or would like to see in Delphi? Ooh, <laughs> features I'd like to see in Delphi. Oh, that's, that's a, that is a dangerous question. Um, I, for my industry, I think one of the theories I'm interested in is the um, uh, augmented reality. And that, that's a bit of an interesting one because a long time ago, actually, I don't know how long ago, a company did come up with a lighting controller that had a heads-up display with a you know semi-transparent LCD panel, and it never really went anywhere because it was it gave people headaches, believe it or not, sure. because of that whole trying to focus on the stage versus what you had in front of you, and that you know that constantly shifting focus I think is was the issue. So it never really went anywhere. With the development of some of this new stuff um, from Microsoft, the Hololens, and that sort of technology, it's going to be interesting to know is that the future of the sort of things that I'm developing, you know, is, is is it a case of the technology has come to a point where now actually that is going to work and the idea of augmenting the information a lighting programmer needs onto a stage is, is a technology that's going to work. We don't know. We, we still need to, you know, that's still something to experiment with and look at. So that sort of technology is... Um, pretty exciting and we'll, we'll see where that goes. As far as Delphi itself, um, as I sort of hinted at earlier, I think the language features is always the stuff that I'm most interested in. Um, there was a stage there where 
I think one of my criticisms was that it felt like the new versions were very always focused on new database technology, and I kind of had a little bit of an attitude of, isn't databases done to death? Do we not have everything we need for databases by now? <laughs> um, but again, I, I think we probably are at that point because we're certainly not seeing as many new uh, database features in, um, in more recent versions, which isn't necessarily a bad, isn't a bad thing because, as I say, there's so much more we're, we're doing now uh, with software and uh, with Delphi. Uh, Delphi doesn't need to just be a database application. It's far from that. So. So the language features are the stuff that I, um, yeah, I think I, I don't know if it's ever something that we would solve in Delphi, but you know the multiple inheritance. I don't know. I don't know if that's just too big a problem. To, to, <laughs> um, but there's been a couple of cases. I, I know we sort of have interfaces, and um, that's certainly a big step there. Um, but I don't know. I don't know if that's a solvable one. <laughs> Yeah, you could okay. do interfaces and composite classes, but yeah, there's yeah, yeah, yeah. there's some things you just can't get. You know, you just really, really want to be able to do. I understand that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I tell you, the feature I absolutely love in Visual Studio that I'd love to see is the scroll bar. The scroll bar in Visual Studio is just incredible. How it shows a like a thumbnail of all of your source code. Oh, you in the scroll bar. Is it? Someone I, yeah. done that? Oh. Yeah, there's Navigator a, by Parnassus. Yeah, yep, exactly. Ah, okay. So, what was it called? Navigator by Parnassus. Just if you search Delphi Navigator, Parnassus, okay. P-A-R-N-A-S-S-U-S. Oh. oh, okay. All right. Oh, yeah, my and uh, it's very, it's a not expensive prop, not too expensive uh, plugin that'll give you that exact thing. And that's, oh, that's awesome. Okay. David Millington, <laughs> plus product manager now. So, yep. Okay. And he's in charge oh, as well, so that's kind of exciting. Yeah, mm -hmm. yep, there it is right there. Uh, it's got a mini map so you can see your code as you're navigating. And okay. features. Oh, awesome. Okay, all right. I have to check that one out. You know, okay. good. We need to get the <laughs> Parnassus plugins and get it. <laughs> <laughs> that hey, is a great idea. That's, idea. that's a great idea. <laughs> uh, very good. Um, yeah, so, so off the top of my head, I can't think of, I'm going to regret this later, but I can't think of any particular, <laughs> here's my opportunity to say, this is what I really want in Delphi, and it's like, oh. <laughs> Do you have any, is the, you're aware that we have, Linux is coming on the roadmap, right? Yeah, now that's actually, I'm glad you brought that up, because that is awesome, that is a good, that is a really good thing. Um, the... And, uh, and I look forward to having a bit of a play with that and uh, see how that goes. The one thing I think I would, the direction I would say I would love to see that go potentially is would be a the ability to create, I'm trying to think how to describe this, but the, the form designer that we have now, the ability to use that to create um, screens and a UI for uh custom LCD panels. Now, I, like I say, I don't know if I'm really describing this, this well, but what I, where I envisage the Linux stuff to be very powerful is appliances. And the ability to write a Delphi app and, and put it on an appliance. And the classic example is, as I mentioned before, we have a rack version of the console, which is what's running at Niagara. 
So, you know, they don't need a console to run Niagara Falls. They just need the rack unit that sits there um, producing the lighting states. And on the front of our rack unit, we have a little uh, five-inch touchscreen. And because the rack unit in this case is just a full-blown Windows, you know, I just communicate with that, that touchscreen using the same technology I do in the console. Uh, but what would be really cool uh, as far as the direction with the Delphi under Linux would be an appliance mindset whereby there were graphical tools to create user interfaces on custom custom LCD panels and things like that. Um, whether there is any Im Im embedded standards for that sort of stuff, I'm not sure. Um, there are probably people out there who know a lot more about that. Um, but uh, yeah, just a, like a really lightweight framework, you know, it didn't, doesn't doesn't need to have all of the, you know. The f a full-blown Windows backend or anything like that there, but the ability to put a button and a and a control or a checkbox or something like that on a um, on an interface uh, for that appliance market would be really awesome. Cool, very good. That, that's a good idea. I like that. Hmm. Okay, well, fantastic, Martin. I sure appreciate you being on here with us. I, as I mentioned before, we've actually talked about. Uh, uh, Niagara Falls a few times on here just because I'd heard about it like right before I was starting one of the podcast episodes and I had to tell Nick about it when we were on here. Yeah. So. <laughs> no, it's, it's it's been a pretty exciting project. It's been really good. Yeah. So um, any other on that one? Really interesting places your software's installed. Uh, we did a really interesting job. One of the ones again, it's, it was quite recently, whereby it was actually in a hospital of all places. And what it is, this is actually was a case where it actually integrated my the video side of the product as well. And so it's a children's hospital where when they're putting the children under for surgery or for tests and things like that there, they have a series of videos that they want to play, uh, the, the children, their animations and cartoons and things like that. And they also have all this cove, LED cove lighting inside the, the operating theater as well. And so as the video is playing, all the cove lighting is matching the color of the video itself. So, you know, the entire room will sort of go purple and things like that. And the, the video is obviously designed to have a calming effect on the children and uh, as they're going into, the, in, into these rooms. So we just uh, recently put the product in, in this hospital whereby it's, it's basically playing back the video and then mapping the video uh, to these LEDs. So, you know, I mentioned earlier about uh, Medov's components and using those to do LED mapping, and that's that's really where we're using that technology there. So that's a real, that's more in the category of quite an interesting project. It's quite a departure from what we normally do, but it, it's working rather well. Wow, that's great. I, I love hearing all the different ways Delphi shows up to make just life a better better for everybody. So fantastic. Yeah, yeah. No, that 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 was quite an interesting one. Um, that one there. So yeah. apart from that, I mean, shows, you know, pretty much most major shows that you can think of, the software has been used in some, at some point or <laughs> yeah. uh, on on some some installation. If people want to find out more about your software, where do they go, Martin? Uh, the website is lightfactory.net. So L-I-G-H-T-F-A-C-T-O-R-Y dot N-E-T. All right. Could not get could not get the dot com. 
<laughs> common common problem. Yeah. Uh, so lightfactory.net, and actually, if you go there, you'll see um, you'll see a picture of the console on the on the first page. There is a picture of the console that Philips make, uh-huh. and uh, then obviously the downloads allow for the software download as well. Uh, Great. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been a lot of fun, Martin. Thank you so much for taking time to be part thank of you, Martin. the podcast. No, it's been great. Thank you. And uh, we'll hopefully stay in touch and hear more from you in the future. <laughs> thank you. Good talking. <laughs>